Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 71. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my urbane, sophisticated, and crafty guest co-host, Adam Liebrich Johnson. Welcome, Adam. You know, when you turn off the grid at night, it gets real dark in here. It gets real dark. Real dark. It gets dark on the grid. <laughs> uh, let's see what happens in this minute. Tron successfully fights off the guards... The solar sailor leaves its berth and narrowly escapes Sark's cruiser, which had been waiting outside in ambush. So Tron continues on down the narrow walkway past the one red guard that was wearing that familiar sash that's hanging on for dear life, dangling from the railing. Oh, hey, it's Flynn. Yeah, we get a close-up of that red guard's face. And oh my gosh, that's why he has the sash on. It's been Flynn this whole time. He's got his arms reached up and he's in a state of panic. So I think that this insert shot is this close up is so quick that when I first saw it, I don't think I knew who it was or why there was a close up of a guard randomly being thrown in. But it makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it's been a while since I watched the whole movie. So it took me a minute to realize that it was Flynn this time as well, because he's he's got a weird expression on his face, too. <laughs> yeah. And sort of what's what's he doing there? Like there's because you see him sneak in. Uh, to you see him well, you see him sneak off screen when he's uh, when yeah. they're about to take uh, when they're about to take take Dumont somehow. Fifty guards are gonna lift Dumont, and uh, yeah. and then, but that's it. And this is, this is the next time you see him, so you're kind of like, what's? How did he end up there? This is this is sort of a little bit of a. It's cool that he shows up, but it's a little confusing as to how he. Yeah, no, th- th- this this doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to why he's not like, hey, Flynn. But then again, Flint, or, or hey, uh, hey, Tron, and then it, but then again, Tron is still trying to take care of that last guard up yeah. on the uh, yeah, they're still on the sails. Yeah, so Tron advances on the last remaining guard, another big one with a respirator and hood and hockey gloves. Tron's disc is at the ready, and the guard. This is a really good moment in the movie, or I don't know what, what you think, but I think it's a it's a good moment when the the guard puts his hands up, he throws his staff overboard. And just jumps off the ship. <laughs> you know, he'd, he'd t- rather commit suicide than get hit by uh, than get by hit by disc. Tron's disc. Yeah, he's taking his chances of a broken leg or death rather than a certain derezzing at the hands of Tron. And then you know, that's again, you know, what what, what sort of fall damage do you take here in the? Uh... Yeah, what's it? What's at stake? Is he like uh, just gonna be okay, or is he gonna be damaged, or is he really will risking? he bounce? Will he bounce? Yeah, right. Do those uh, do those guards have? Like somebody else was mentioning earlier that with all their padding and all their armor that they probably have add-ons, you know, they've got like plus 10s and plus 20s, you know, for, yeah. for attacks and defenses all over the place. So maybe a fall from that height, he probably looked at it and was like, 60-40, I might be able to do this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so like, so just, uh, just jumped up. I remember when I first saw the film, this made my dad laugh a lot, but I was quite confused. I was like... Is he committing, you know, suicide? Like rather than die at the hands of Tron, because that seems a little tomato tomato. You know, like death from a and, death from a great height with possible injuries yeah. or a lingering death. Versus, he does give a great great scream as he falls. Oh, a fantastic, a fantastic scream. Like uh, it's almost like a goofy, yahoo Like he's got a really yeah, good, uh, you know. Well, not really, but I guess maybe that sort of scream is. 
that's it's that kind of scream it's a wonderful yeah no i, I totally uh, i totally can uh concur i think if it was me though i'd probably go for he he must know that there's a chance of survival by jumping yeah because if it was that versus a quick death at the hands of tron um i'd leap into battle i think i think i'd go for well all right <laughs> execution by disc it is you know but also, I guess if everyone else is dead and no one saw him jump, then he can make up whatever story he likes for Sark and it won't matter. Oh, yeah. No, he could totally be like, Tron was like 30 feet tall and he just yeah. shoved me off. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah, but like this moment really kind of humanized the guards for me. Like this faceless automaton stormtrooper actually said yeah too rich for my blood nope i'm out <laughs> you know I, I quit i quit i'm out i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go to uh what was it uh Sawataneho and start up a fishing uh fishing uh fishing business and i want i want to see more of that in film like i remember in uh what was it captain america winter soldier when captain america is stuck in the elevator with like 15 guys yeah and he says if any of you want to get out now's the time and I just, I so badly wanted one guard to be like, uh, I, I would like to leave, <laughs> you know, just put it. Hey, uh, see you at lunch tomorrow, Jerry. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go. It's too rich for my blood. <laughs> you guys got this covered, right? Okay. Cause I'm going to, I think I am going to take him up on that. I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, the elevator ding <laughs> and then the doors open and you know, there's that scene, you know, cause there's always that scene of like, it'll be certain death and horror. If that's too much for you, there's the door and no one leaves, Yeah, you know, but I'd be like, well, you know thanks for the warning see ya you know yeah well that's if they did have that scene in team america there's a scene in team america where the the boss of the organization is breaking around just how horrifying the situation is going to be for the new hotshot recruit and he's like if that's too rich for your blood there's the door and the new recruit goes great thank you bye and leaves so the guy has to like (laughs) chase him out into the alley and say like no 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 don't don't actually leave this you know it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that moment kind of going like, oh, finally, it happened. I've There's the scene I've always wanted to see in a movie. Somebody says, yeah, that is pretty intense. I think I would like to not do it, you know. Then uh, the hangar door is open, and the solar sailor slowly moves out along the beam, and this is Wendy Carlos's time to shine. The, uh, the Tron theme busts out here on all cylinders. Yeah, the score here is so good. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's got these discordant car chords. Uh, like my my partner is a music teacher, but I don't I don't know that much about uh, about music. I've done some research well, on Wendy Carlos, but the the great the great part here is is it's a great blend of traditional instruments and synths. Okay, as the as the carrier comes overhead, you know you hear there's actual real brass in addition to the synths, and there's uh, real strings coming up, and it just sort of uh, it just sort of makes a, a really cool, unusual sound to have have all those elements blended together. Yeah, and I just love I love it because I've I've never heard anything like it before, and uh, I never really heard anything like it since. You know, like yeah. that uh, that that uh, that main refrain, I guess you'd call it, of like da 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 da, yeah. and it's just really off key, uh, discordant hit at the end of it and then it goes kicks up a key like da 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 and uh yeah. and then it's, the, it's really great at ramping up the tension uh, because of the again because of the the nature of how they had to make this the, the scene itself doesn't necessarily ramp up tension no 
it's like a, a poorly choreographed fight scene and then a slow moving out of this this uh yeah. this vehicle so you're like yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure this shot of the the sailor emerging from the the hangar and the the, the guards turning to look at it is an, an homage to star wars oh yeah yeah because it, it looks very similar to when uh, the millennium falcon is being uh pulled into the hangar bay on the death star and there's a couple stormtroopers standing out uh, that turned to look at it as it comes in and it, it's very reminiscent of that shot for oh me. yeah yeah that's right yeah it's like uh 11 guards standing around outside there yep looking up at the ship as it sails overhead this might be the biggest crowd shot in the film or at least one of them they're probably yep. all filmed separately in comp things i don't think there was even 11 guys <laughs> you know i think that was I'm, I'm, no, and that, that's one of those shots where you can sort of comp in the same guy several times and you don't really notice yeah because your eyes not looking at their faces and you're, you're you're looking at the solar sailor yeah yeah because that that is a beautiful model it really is it really is and this is still one of those shots that this is a sid mead design i believe and uh they had mobius designed the solar the solar sailor he did a he did a concept design for it but it was like bulbous and organic and really strange looking and so they were like Ugh, well you need to that's i don't know if that's gonna work and so they went with uh they went with sid mead's more industrial uh functional kind of you know looking design production note here i got this completely backwards for all of you that are saying what that's not right you are correct uh sid mead did a design for it and oddly, his design looked kind of like some sort of a melting spaceship galleon, according to Steven Lisberger. And then it was uh, Mobius who was storyboarding that sequence. And so they asked him to give it a shot. And he did something based on some research that Steven gave him. And uh, it looked very tech and elegant. So it's kind of, there was this weird flip-flop that happened where it was if Sid art was more like a weird Mobius design, and then the winning Mobius art was more like what we ex- what they expected from Sid Mead. So uh, Sid didn't really have much to do with the Solar Sailor, and then it was cleaned up by Richard Taylor at uh, at Triple I. So there you go. I got it wrong. My bad. So well, it looks like something that that could exist in the real world. Exactly. It looks like it could work. It's not just like a, like a, a you know some magic users bizarre hideout like it's a it's a it's just a really yeah it looks like okay this could work because that's what you really get from the the energy beam going into the nose and lighting up the sail tips then they arc back to the to the exhaust to the main engine yeah you're like oh that's how it works you know that's how this thing that looks functional actually works you know so that's uh yeah i agree that's the one thing that you always get as a bonus when it comes to the sid mead conceptual stuff is because of his background in automotive design is it can be a totally out there piece of hardware but in his head he's like well this is where the power source would be and this is where this would happen you know so it's like really strange looking machinery but it looks like it would work it's not just totally from uh from uh from you know planet 10 which is cool it's a beautiful it is beautiful it looks very fragile that's one thing that I like that comes across from it. It's got these, yeah, it does look very delicate. You know, like a, a little wasp waist and these big, uh, these big transparent sails. You're like, oof, man, this thing looks like it. It looks like it weighs like 50 pounds. You know, it doesn't look. And like that it, uh, that transparency on the sails has got to be very complex to render at the time for in, in 1982. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like if they had any kind of translucency to it, and uh, 
yeah that must have been really really difficult and this was something i remember that hero shot of it rezzing up in the earlier scene in the bay with yori when we first meet yori uh that was used in a lot of the publicity i remember because mm-hmm. they were really showing off like look at this look what we've done this is yeah. incredible <clears throat> and it's really it really is it's an impressive vehicle because that's that sort of brings us to the last this is the last vehicle because we had the light cycles the recognizers sark's cruiser and now we've got here we've got this guy and that's it oh there's one more character that's coming up we get to see a brief insert shot of them that's like one of the coolest shots in the film but like you never hear of them again but uh because they didn't end up getting used in the film they didn't have enough time but other than that yeah this is the final sort of shot of the last sort of big cool thing that's being that's being introduced Mm mm-hmm and now that they're in the open, it seems like the coast is clear. Yori is still at the controls, stabbing at buttons with her fingers, trying to get things going. She looks like she's trying random buttons, but she also looks like she's making educated guesses, like not just randomly closing her eyes and hoping for the best. Um, I kind of, I think I'd, I'd, I'd prefer that she just totally knew what she was doing and couldn't open the throttle until they were a safe distance away from the hangar or something, you know, but she still looks like she's like, Oh, how does this, maybe this one, you know? And I figure, well, didn't you like build it? Didn't you oversee? Maybe it's a slightly different model of solar sailor than the one she was working on last. Yeah, maybe I would hope so. Cause like, like one of these, that's one of my uh, sort of, I'm reading, I'm reading too much into the moment, but like in true lies, for instance, like when Jamie Lee Curtis begins to work with Arnold, but the only way she's allowed to uh, sort of kill the bad guys is by clumsily dropping an Uzi down the stairs and it sprays bullets <laughs> everywhere it falls, luckily killing only the bad guys. And then she's like, shrug, and he's like, shrug. And uh, it's like she can't be competent at killing people. She can't be competent at what Arnold is competent as. Yeah, uh, that, that, that seems to be a that seems to be a theme with uh, the way women are written in movies. Yeah, and I sort of it's Which not is, it's not quite like that here, but it's just it's a little bit like that here because she's like, oh, what does this do? Like at least she's not panicking, you know. Yeah, and at least Tron doesn't come over and go, oh, for it's this button here, you know. Like at least nothing like that happens. Yeah. She does see. Say, I, I don't. I, I don't feel like she's randomly hitting buttons. I just think that it, it seems like it's just has to be a specific sequence that yeah. she's working on more. Yeah. I guess more like she's trying to guess a password or something like so there's something preventing her from really kicking it in. Cause I think she does know what she's doing. She definitely knows yeah. what she's doing. And that does come across. She's like, okay, I'm trying sequence alpha. Okay. Now I'm trying sequence, you know, whatever, you know, she's not, uh, you know, because, I mean, like, it was almost, and I remember with Jamie Lee Curtis again, she was almost reduced to the level of, like, Jar Jar Binks or something, you know, and <laughs> and that's uh, that's what, I mean, that's also what I found was kind of disappointing about Men in Black 2, was Linda Fiorentino had so much authority and power, and I really wanted to see her take on the aliens with Will Smith in the sequel, like they insinuated was going to happen, but then, uh, yeah, she got written out and uh the project died i think she didn't want to come back i think she didn't want to come back yeah i don't think either that or she wanted too much money yeah that too because she was kind of on the cusp of being big right then so maybe who knows what happened behind the scenes but uh yeah this is a bigger a bigger a bigger topic of conversation about how women are represented in media but 
it's changing, which is cool. I mean, it's yes, still, it is still a big, still a big issue in 2020, but it is, it is changing, which is, uh, just pretty cool. Little glimmers of it here and there in sci-fi and horror, definitely like resident evil and doomsday and like the Marvel DC films recently. So it's good to see we're headed yeah. in the, in the right direction, which is pretty cool. But it's so cool. There's some really cool graphic design in this stuff too, where she's on the console she's working on. Yeah. It looks yeah. really cool. And there's also some cool background stuff. There's like a streak of light that goes by in the background. Yeah, you get these little pulses of energy in the background. I wonder if that's like, you know, da- data packets or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> fast-moving data packets. Or I guess those could be like, uh, I guess those might, no, they wouldn't be solar sailors that are going up to like hyperspeed or something like that. But yeah, little, little. Because no, uh, there's no beam. Yeah, there's no beam. So little, little data packets uh, flying around. And those are there. I think they use some of those later on to cover up uh, some of the jumps in the in the film. There's these yeah. there's these moments where they'll suddenly go really bright and then back to normal, and they're like, Ooh, "How do we explain that?" Because that was a flaw, and so they would have a, a pulse of light in the background or a pulse of energy, and then that would sort of explain the, uh, the 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 film going suddenly bright for a second. So I think they set that up here with a with one or two in the background, and then later on. I have to keep an eye out later on and see if uh, if they use that to cover up flaws later on. Because I'm not sure at what point they filmed this. If this was filmed later, or uh, or if different sequences were filmed in different uh, at different times, or if this was all one big thing that they shot. But but I really yeah I, I'm with you. I really like the dashboard in this one. We get a, a long shot of the solar sailor, and oh no, Sark's cruiser comes like behemothing over the lip of the hangar. Of the tail. And that's such a great design. It's so, it really It is. looks so evil and cool it's, and just. It's really evil and it's, it's, uh, it's asymmetry, you know, and, uh, it just looks, it looks really, really good. But it makes me wonder how did they get there so quick? Like, I'm like, did Dumont give them up? You know? Did he, uh, relent? Uh, maybe it was a report from the, maybe it was that guard that, uh, jumped off the solar yeah. and said, hey, they're here. <laughs> He's like, hey, this is their 20. And I'm, oh, I just got hit by Tron. Oh, I'm falling off the ship. <laughs> yeah, something. Or maybe, you know, Sark's just really smart. I think that too. Like, he's like, well, this is where they're probably going. Well, yeah, he knows who he's dealing with. He knows Yori is responsible for programming these things. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the music is pounding right now, and Sark looks down at them, and Yori's, like, frustrated trying combination after combination because the ship's, like, right on top of them now. I like that shot looking up at Sark with his yeah. you know, him in the, the control panel there. Yeah, just so officious, like uh, like an emperor in, a, in an arena in Rome or something like that. Yeah. And then the, the, the next shot of him is... Uh slightly different because he's got that big uh, control wall next to him which you can't yeah. really see in that first shot i'm not sure how that works no it's uh not sure how that works either and then with the yeah it's got the maze the maze screen or whatever no pa- the, the pac-man screen yeah no pac-man this time though sadly no <laughs> there's no pac-man this time but then uh yori hits the right button and the whole control panel lights up violet and she braces herself against the dashboard light spilling up all over her and then this this light all along the front of her torso is all hand drawn as well. This yeah. is like some of that old school uh, uh, Disney's effects animators are just like, yeah, sure, you want to glow from a magical object? We've been doing that since 1942. <laughs> you know, here you go. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, so that's really cool. She gets it. She gets it right. 
Light pulses along the struts from the sail tips to the engine block, stuttering and pulsing like it's starting up and gathering power before glowing solid in the solar sailor. Takes off at Mach 6 or whatever, leaving Sark's cruiser in the dust. Dash. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love I love the pacing of this part because it, yeah. it is the like the score and everything is really great at building tension, and then and it does really look like the 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 cruiser is overtaking the uh, the sailor, and they 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 and she gets the uh, the the sails to go opaque at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. That's also, a great 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 uh, visual language there with the, when the sails go opaque and then it takes off. Yeah. For sure, you're really like, oh, that's that's how it works. That's what it does. And now we're now it's yeah. And you don't need to and you don't need to say anything. There's no, it's just all there visually, and it yeah, works really well. You don't need a, a line explaining. Oh, you know the the who's it's attached to the whatever is finally firing. You know, like you could just it's just there. You just see it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it takes off. That's really cool. And it dashes out across what I'm assuming is the featureless game sea. Yes, and the flat horizon with a purple sky is. Sark crawls along after them in his in his monolith, which sort of brings us up to the end of minute seventy one. Um, yeah, because yeah, there's not much that happens except just just a great shot of the solar sailor going by the camera, just just going yeah past it. And like this, this stuff, like uh, uh, the 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 quality of the uh, you know of the what what they're able to render aside, it's really well built shots here. They're, they're very cinematic. Yeah. The, the 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 whip pan as the sailor goes past the camera and and it, and the, the camera moves turns and moves up to follow it it's just like it's really well made yeah yeah you really get that uh yeah it goes past the camera and then you find it and then this the the that final shot where you see it just going see ya <laughs> it's just like way yeah, off the, across the prairie and, and then, then yeah, and then the carrier comes right by the camera on the left side. Like it's really, it's a really great shot. Yeah, it really, really is. Like they, <laughs> I mean, they storyboarded the heck out of these sequences, uh, and it really. Like, and you kind of had to because you wouldn't know what they would look like for weeks. Yeah, and they had to do these wild storyboards where you had to say, "These are the camera movements, and here's what the scene will look like from like the top, the side, and the front." You know, and here's where the camera will be. So you had to sort of have like normal storyboards would just have this is the camera's point of view, but these storyboards would have to have like six panels for like each scene, so you could really, yeah. really see what was uh, what was going on in 3D space. And it really pays. And it's it, it's really kind of amazing that you could totally render something like this in this quality in real time on your phone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like uh, it's like we went over earlier like the computers they were rendering on at the time didn't have enough memory to hold more than three or four of the rendered images so they would like render it out straight up take a picture of it delete it and then render the next frame and then take a picture of that so the film we got was like you know developed film because the the computer didn't have the memory to actually hold seconds of footage in its own memory you know really just banging rocks together looking back on it now cutting edge at the time but uh yeah oh yeah and you know and, you know that kind of uh that that kind of stuff you know it goes back to stuff like you know star wars has yeah. some some really primitive cg in it too when the when they're doing the the death star brie- briefing yeah that's right yeah and we get a little sort of almost nod to that here in the in the, the minute previous where he gets the blueprints for the mcp and where he's supposed to put the disc it's very, yep. uh, very, uh, you know, this is the exhaust port on the Death Star. <laughs> you know, I think that was mm-hmm. probably intentional because 
that they hadn't uh what was star wars was 77 and this was 82 so it was still pretty fresh in everybody's in everybody's yeah. mind and you know then you know you can see the that the technology takes a huge leap between yeah. then and 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 this definitely well a little differences between uh the novel and the screenplay in the novel it's pretty much the same even with the last guard voluntarily jumping to his uh, probable death but there's n- <laughs> but there's no uh, there's no Sark cruiser hot on their tail which is interesting they vanquish the guard oh, that's a shame because that's a that's a great uh, yeah that's a great trope to use it's great yeah it's like oh my gosh they're right there you know they and, and it, you know it really ups the stakes yeah yeah, and they yeah because they vanquish the guards except for one hanging onto the railing and boot out over the sea. But I guess it's implied that they got away because the next scene is Sark getting in trouble from the MCP. So you don't see this this chase moment that they have in the movie, which is uh which is like wow, I'm really glad they put this in the movie. Like you were saying, this is a, a wonderful a wonderful action moment of like oh no, they almost got caught. So. And you get to and see then the, the moment. The moment you know they're safe, the music tells you they're safe. Too. Yeah, the music tells you it, they're it safe. It goes into that big major fanfare that da 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 da. Yeah, which is such a great just f- movie fanfare. It's so yeah. cool. It's really really good. It really it's such a great theme. This whole theme, and you get to see that like this is what the solar sailor does. You know, this is why any research at all was put into this because when it gets into mm-hmm. gear there's nothing faster it leaves everything else in the dust so yeah it's a wonderful moment all right well i guess that takes us to the end of uh of minute 71 uh do you want to tell people again where they can find you if you want to hear more of you uh sure if you if you want to see me uh, yelling at politicians on twitter uh, go ahead and give me a follow at uh, big base bone that's b-i-g-b-a-s-s-b-o-n-e um if you want to check out my band, that's the Poxy Boggards, and they are at poxyboggards.com, P-O-X-Y-B-O-G-G-A-R-D-S.com. And uh, at some point, I'll probably be running one of these podcasts, but uh, that'll be uh, sometime in the future when I'm a little less busy. Yeah. But that, that, it still may happen. Excellent. What's a, a boggard is like a, a type of uh, like a malevolent fairy or something like that right like a goblin no it's or... no it's it's it, the word boggard uh in in uh, the way we use it is just sort of a dude yeah sure yeah sure and poxy is uh yeah. you know, obvious <laughs> yeah poxy's it's good it's just you know it, it, it's similar to bugger yeah or, or or bastard or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at TorontoLogicallySpeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at TorontoLogicallySpeaking or send us an email on Trondula... Oh, jeez. TorontoLogicallySpeaking. More Tronja, Captain? More Tronja, Captain. A Tronja. Tronja. Jeez, I didn't even get that right. There you go. <laughs> send us an email on TorontoLogicallySpeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the TorontoLogicallySpeaking Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, go to Pond 5 for sweet music for your podcast for royalty free. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Great guys that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminute.com and see the huge list of over 150 movies that are there. See if your favorite movie is there and if it isn't, consider doing one yourself because they're very, very nice. And they're all pretty good. The The podcasts are all pretty good. They're pretty solid, yeah. They vary a little bit in quality, but uh, they're all pretty good, so... Definitely you're in for a treat there, especially if one of your favorite movies is there because it's a wonderful way to just go in and relive all the glory of it over and over again. 
uh, in depth. <laughs> yep. So, okay, you want to try a little uh, end of line on three? Yep. All right. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line.